Hi there. Thanks for joining us uh, for this first week of the new year. Uh, many of you will be glad to put 2020 behind you, I know. But what does this year hold for us? One thing you can be sure of, if you're trusting in Jesus, then you can be confident that the Lord will be sovereignly working for your good, for the good of his church, and according to his great purpose on earth. And so my encouragement to you today is to keep on praying and to not give up. Because I really do believe there are things that God is wanting to do in response to our prayers that will come to pass this year, or certainly in this season, uh, that we may see some specific answers uh, to maybe years of prayer. You know, the fulfillment of specific words and promises. I believe there's going to be some breakthroughs happening. Some of them perhaps very unexpected and surprising because God has plans and purposes that he is working out in ways that we could never have imagined. But it's all in response to our prayers as we continue to pray for his kingdom to come. You know, there are certain people that I've been praying for now consistently every week uh, for over 10 years. And one of the things that encourages me to continue praying and to not give up is because I know that not one of my prayers have fallen on deaf ears, right? Not one prayer has been wasted. They're all being stored up, awaiting an appointed time. And that really came home to me a couple of weeks ago when I was reading the book of Revelation. It's part of my uh, Bible reading plan. And in chapter 5, the Apostle John gets this uh, glimpse of heaven where it's like the curtains have been pulled back. And he sees there the risen Lord Jesus, the exalted Jesus, who because of his sacrifice on the cross is the only one who is worthy to open the scroll containing the, the plans and purposes of God to redeem men from every nation, tribe and tongue. And Jesus there is surrounded by millions, literally millions of angelic beings worshipping him, giving him all honour and glory. But what's so surprising in that scene is that it's our prayers that have a, play, a part to play in it. Because what John also sees are these, what he calls these golden bowls full of incense, uh, which are the prayers of God's people. I love the fact that the bowls are made of gold because it shows how valuable and precious our prayers are. And what we pray on earth affects what's happening in heaven. You know, our prayers are filling those bowls. Not one prayer brought to Jesus has fallen to the ground unnoticed. They're all being stored up in heaven. And what will happen when those golden bowls are full? Well, we see what happens in chapter 8 of Revelation. I'm just going to read it to you. It says there, another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. And the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. And then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. 
So, you know, what we uh, see there is that not one of our prayers has been ignored or forgotten. Whatever we've prayed for God to act, you know, for his kingdom to come, our prayers have been added to the millions of other prayers throughout the last 2,000 years, filling those bowls on the altar before the throne of God. Not one of those prayers has been in vain. They're like incense, it says, a pleasing aroma to God who delights in the prayers of his people. Right? Whenever you pray, crying out to God for a loved one or about some injustice or need or maybe for provision or for healing, right? asking for God to be glorified in the church or for him to act in the world, God responds to your prayers. Not one of your prayers is wasted. Everyone is heard and delighted in and stored up, ready to be poured out. You may not see the answer right away, but the appointed time is coming. And that will ultimately be on that last day, the day of reckoning when God finally wraps things up. And the angel takes that mighty censer, fills it with fire from the altar, right, where our prayers have been burning like incense. And he pours it out upon the earth to destroy all evil and to complete God's victory. But what's so astounding that we see in this text is that it's our prayers that have a part to play in that. It's an astonishing thing that our prayers affect heaven. But it shows how vitally important and valuable our prayers are and why we should keep on praying and not give up. Because there is a day coming when every longing, every cry of our heart will be answered. But of course, that doesn't mean we have to wait until the last day for God to act in response to our prayers. As uh, John Piper comments, he says, I can't help but conclude from this that the principle applies to answers to prayer in the shorter run. That is, as we pray for any given thing, our prayers are stored up on the altar of God with the prayers of others for that thing until they reach God's appointed proportion. And then God pours them out in blessing in the best way for all concerned so that no believing prayer is in vain ever ever right right that just shows you how precious how powerful our prayers are so be encouraged and uh, may this motivate you to give yourself as a fresh to prayer in this new year may it revitalize your prayers uh, renew your faith to pray for things and for people that maybe you've prayed for for years because i really believe we're going to see some bowls poured out in these days and as I said, some will be totally unexpected, where God will move in surprising ways as we continue to pray for his kingdom to come. In fact, you know, I think we've already begun to see that happen here over the past year. Right. For example, in our church family, we have a growing number of people from the Dominican Republic in our Summersworth location, where we now have bilingual meetings, which is something we're really excited about. But, you know, we've been praying a while that uh, we would be a more truly multicultural church. We just could never have imagined how God would answer those prayers. And I think we're going to see more and more things like that taking place as we commit to pray in this season. It's really uh, one of the lessons we learn from the book of Acts. You know, before the holidays, our weekly messages were part of a sermon series called Revolution, Stories of Kingdom Breakthrough in the Book of Acts. And I just want to continue this series for a few more weeks until we get to Acts 15, which is like a halfway mark. But one of the things that's very evident from the Book of Acts is that the key to seeing kingdom breakthrough is prayer. 
And so I just want to draw your attention to that in chapter 10, which is where we've got to. It's where we see God moving in surprising and unexpected ways to advance his kingdom. And it's in response to prayer. So if you have a Bible, you might like to turn to Acts uh, chapter 10 and verse 1. And we're going to read there. It says that Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. And he and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. And he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So here we have a man called Cornelius. He's an officer in the Roman army uh, who had Israel under their boot, and therefore he would have been despised by any patriotic Jew of the day. Yet Cornelius was a God-fearer. At some point he'd rejected the Roman gods that he'd grown up with to worship the God of Israel. He wasn't a Christian, and he wouldn't have been accepted by the Jews because he was a Gentile. And yet he had some form of relationship with God. He prayed to God regularly. And it was at the traditional hour of prayer at three in the afternoon when he was praying, as he says later on. And he was given a vivid vision of an angel uh, who told him his prayers had been like incense before God, an offering that God had delighted in. And now he's told to go and fetch Peter and to bring him to his home. Now, what we need to understand here is that for Peter, a Jew, to visit or enter the home of Cornelius, a Roman Gentile, would be surprising. Um, but as Peter says later on, it was actually even against their laws, against everything that Peter had grown up believing. Not that God had intended for this divide to take place, right? God had chosen Israel to bless all the other peoples on earth. And the prophets had foreseen the day when God would pour out his spirit upon all men. But tragically, Israel had twisted that doctrine of God choosing their people into one of favoritism. They became full of nationalistic pride that caused them to despise these pagan Gentiles, uh, even those who became God-fearers. And they developed laws and traditions to keep them apart. One can only imagine how Cornelius must have felt as someone who loved God but was rejected by his people, didn't feel accepted into the family of God. But God was about to change that. His kingdom was about to break through centuries of pride and prejudice, and it was in response to prayer. Uh, but not just Cornelius' prayers, uh, because about 30 miles from the Roman city of Caesarea, in the city of Joppa, Peter was also praying. So let's read on from verse 9. It says there, About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. 
he saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Well, this happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. And while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up, go downstairs, and do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Right? Like Cornelius, Peter here was in the habit of praying on a regular basis. He'd gone onto the rooftop to pray, uh, where there would have been a patio area. And it seems he got distracted by his hunger, which means there's hope for all of us. And so he orders some food. And it's while he's thinking about eating that he has this trance-like vision about food. It's funny, isn't it, how so often God uses the things that we're thinking about to speak to us. And in this vision, Peter sees all kinds of kosher and unkosher animals. And then he hears this voice, maybe an inner voice, saying, eat it. And Peter's first reaction is, surely not, Lord. Some of these animals are unclean. He knows it's the Lord speaking, and yet in typical Peter fashion, his first response is, that can't be right. I think Peter probably represents many of us, doesn't he? Peter had grown up in his culture to see things in a particular way. He had God in this kind of box of limitations of how he felt God should act. But you know, God's ways are not our ways. God's plans and purposes are always so much greater than we imagine. And of course, as Peter was to find out, this vision wasn't primarily about food, but about people. It was about not calling other people or races unclean, not rejecting people who God was wanting to bring into his family, people like Cornelius. Now, this would have been a shock to Peter, but you notice how patient and persistent God is with him. Three times he's given this vision, which underlines its importance, but also how much God is willing to bear with us. Even after we say, surely not, Lord, are you sure you got this right? God still wants to involve us in his plans and purposes, right? God made that very clear. Centuries before, when another man left Joppa, attempting to run away from God's plan to bless a people he wanted nothing to do with, and that man's name was Jonah. But unlike Jonah, at least Peter took time to consider what all this meant. His heart was open to God. He was in that place of prayer. And it was then that the Spirit told him, three men are waiting for you. Go with them without hesitation, for I've sent them. And the words there, uh, without hesitation, are also translated without distinction or without discrimination. God wanted to leave Peter, no doubt, he should leave his traditions and cultural worldview at the door and go with these men, for I have sent them, says the Lord. And so in this whole interaction with Peter, God is really challenging his thinking. As John Stott wrote in his commentary, he said the principal subject of this chapter is not so much the conversion of Cornelius as the conversion of Peter. 
It's because of the breakthrough in Peter's thinking, in his heart, that it comes this massive breakthrough in God's mission, with Cornelius becoming the first Gentile convert to Christianity when God poured out his Holy Spirit upon the whole household. And I really do believe that we're going to see some of our own breakthroughs in our day. But it may need for God to challenge our thinking. Right? How we think things should be done. How we think God should act. And the people we think God should use. Right? We all like to think we know what God's up to, don't we? But God will keep surprising us. He works in unexpected ways. It may take us outside of our comfort zones. In fact, it probably will. Because that's where he is. Outside the camp outside what is familiar to us, outside our tribe, ministering to people who may be very different to us, who may even have been hostile to us, people we might look down on or even despise if we were honest, right? People who we might have thought impossible to reach, people we may have given up on or maybe not even given a thought to, right? But that's where God is at work. That's where his kingdom is breaking out. It's on the edge, out on the margins, pressing into the kingdom of darkness. That's where the adventure is. That's where we'll see the miracles. And that's where God wants to take us. But my point today is that it all starts in prayer. Both men were praying when they had this supernatural encounter and saw these vivid visions. They heard God's voice speaking to them. Doesn't happen every time they prayed, but because they were in the habit of praying, because they both had regular planned times when they would pray to God, no doubt giving him thanks, bringing their cares before him, right, doing that daily, offering their prayers and requests to God like incense on the altar, an aroma pleasing to God, it meant they were in the right place at the right time when God could encounter them and where they would see him pour out his blessing in ways that neither of them could have imagined. Listen, do you have regular planned times when you pray? If you don't plan for it, it won't happen. And there's nothing more that the enemy of our souls, the devil, would like than for us to not pray. Have you ever wondered why it's such a struggle to pray? Why we get so distracted? Right? He doesn't want those bowls filling up. He knows what will happen when they're poured out. And that's why prayer can feel such a battle at times. But you can be sure that when you pray, your prayers are making a difference. Right? No believing prayer is in vain, ever. As uh, C.H. Spurgeon once said to his church, he said, All hell is vanquished when the believer bows his knee. Beloved brethren, let us pray. Prayer links us with the eternal, the omnipotent, and the infinite. And hence it's our chief resort. Be sure that you are with God, and then you may be sure that God is with you. If we're setting aside regular times to pray, then there's no reason why we can't expect God to speak to us through supernatural visions, even angelic visitations, as well as giving confirmation through others that he's speaking to at the same time. God wants to speak to us. Visions and visitations like those men had, you know, they may not be common, but God does want to encounter us. And if we're spending regular times in prayer, we can expect to hear his voice, that inner voice speaking to us because he wants to use us in his purposes. But we need to be in a place where we're available and where we can tune in to what he's saying. 
You know, there, there are so many voices in the world that we listen to that are competing for our attention, that can get us all worked up, get us off track, draw us away from the things that God has called us to, even threaten to divide us from other people uh, that demonize other people. So many angry voices, so much noise. We need to take regular time away from all that to be with God, to spend time in his presence where we can tune into his voice, the only voice that truly matters. Spending time reading his word, listening to him, praying to him, allowing him to work in our hearts. And it's not just personal times of prayer, but corporate times when the church gathers to pray, as we'll be doing every Wednesday night through January, starting this week. Right, we'll be having in-person prayer gatherings as well as on Zoom. So I hope you'll join us as we pray for God's kingdom to come. You know, we've seen what happened here in Acts 10, but just a little later on in Acts 13, we read how the leaders in the Antioch church gathered to worship and fast in what seemed to be a time of corporate prayer. And it was during that time that God broke in and they heard the Holy Spirit speak to them, directing them to set apart Barnabas and Saul for the mission God was calling them to. God responded to their prayers and it resulted in the Apostle Paul and his team's planting churches and advancing God's kingdom all over the Roman world. In the same way, you know, if we will give ourselves to regularly praying, privately and corporately, then we will see times when God breaks in and answers our prayers, and sometimes in surprising, unexpected ways. Because he loves the aroma of prayer. He delights in our praying. He responds to the cries of our heart. Not one prayer is wasted. Not one prayer is in vain. Some may see immediate answers. Others are being stored up on the altar until they reach God's appointed proportion when God will then pour them out in blessing. So let's keep praying and not give up. And as we do, I really believe we'll see the hand of God bringing breakthrough and blessing in the days ahead. Amen. May we all have a life-changing, God-encountering, kingdom-advancing year in 2021. God bless you.